Vocation salons are small group classes of 10 students. We meet on Zoom for voiceover industry discussion, script analysis, directed reads and more. They're divided into experience levels, intermediate and professional, and a new tech-focused salon will be starting in the spring of 2023. Classes fill up on a first-come, first-served basis. To find out more and to purchase tickets, join our Facebook group, VO Salon, or visit the website, vocationconference.com salon. See you there. Three, two, one. Okay. I was totally on with you. It's funny because I see it, your delay, and it's always consistently like half a second, which is surprising that we don't notice that when we talk. Well, half a second isn't a lot in conversation, I think. But then also, I get yours a half a second later too. Yeah. So you're responding to me in your real time. I'm responding to you in my real time and we don't notice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. I guess the response, it's, yeah. I don't know where that half a second goes. Where does it go? Uh, <laughs> Am I being stupid? Into the multiverse. I'm oh, sure. okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the usual way we start these things by just blathering on about something completely unrelated. <laughs> so yes. I, I say we've started. That's what I say. We started! Good morning, Jamie. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. We are not going to be as controversial this week. Well, maybe we will. Who knows? Maybe we will. (laughs) We're talking about demos and all the dramas that go with demo production. And we're going to be sharing at some point our first demos. And I'm dreading it. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. And I just have to say, the reason why we're going to share our first demos with you, (laughs) it's a little bit like, I said this online, but it's a little bit like reading a journal entry out loud that you wrote in junior high. Yeah. (laughs) We're like, at the time, you felt so one way about it, about this thing. And then now looking back, you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) I I, don't, I think what? I knew it was dreadful at the time, but I didn't have oh, any choice. I didn't. I, I, thought, I thought my demo was just as good as every other demo. That was oh, okay. There. Okay. Yeah. It's funny, oh, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm holding back from trying to like lay the groundwork for this. No, just wait. But, just wait. We're going to yeah, do we'll it. We're going to do it. Okay. So, but first of all, Jamie, mm. what are some of the common misconceptions about demos? Or like, what are some of the common things that people always say about demos? I mean, the one you hear a lot, and there is truth in it, and there's, it depends on the circumstances, that never make your own demo. Whatever you do, don't make your own demo. And in some circumstances, yes, some circumstances, I don't think that is the case, actually. Um, I don't think it's a hard and fast rule. I wouldn't say that's the preference to make your own demo, certainly. But I don't think it's necessarily this career-killing thing that you would do um i mean i i posted this in the group fairly recently and i got a bit of pushback but i don't think demos are as vital crucial (laughs) as people make them out to be in your career i think they're a shop window for you i think they're important and i think they're working for you 24 hours a day and they represent you and all of the good things that are associated with demos but i mean we both have careers and my demo was dreadful (laughs) As you'll see (laughs) here. So, I mean. Oh, and I just want to. I just want to preface this entire talk with: we are talking about demos in the market of the United States, Hmm. because in Europe and in other places, demos are used differently. Specifically in the UK, you don't audition as often. Hmm. Your demo is sent out more, and so the demo. Um, in that market is has a little bit of a different weight to it than in the U.S., but we are primarily going to be talking about America and the way that the voiceover industry works here. So just just a quick preface. And interestingly, with the U.K., actually, historically, it was always work 
that you compiled together as a reel. And constructing reads for a demo was frowned upon. But I think that's changing a little bit now. Um, and they are cheaper in the UK. They're just, they're just, they don't cost as much. Even yeah. though there's more weight on the demo with your career. So, you know, interesting quirks around the world. <laughs> why do you think that is? Why, why do you think it's cheaper in the UK than in the US? I don't know. I guess just the market determines it, really. I mean, there's just, you know, if, if someone comes out and starts charging a ton of money, they just won't get any work. So the yeah. the rate has been established or range has been established, I think, and that's it. Because um, yeah. I think uh, Brits will bulk at the cost of demos over here. Um, yeah. Historically, there has been less production on the demo. It's more compilation uh, right. in the UK. So that requires less time investment and I wouldn't say less skill, but there's less. it's less involved of a process. What would you say about things that are often said about demos? I think that some things that are often said about demos are really true. Like, don't make an expensive demo until you're ready. Yeah. Um, and that is primarily because, and I've said this a million times, but when you start in voiceover, it does not matter if you have had lots of stage experience or if you're an incredible actor or you have an amazing sounding voice. All of us, when we start, don't know what we don't know. And we're all pretty bad mm. because there are just certain little nuances and interesting things about voiceover that you don't really learn until you start doing voiceover. So the idea that you would make a demo that costs, you know, 1500 to $3,000 in your first few months of doing voiceover, to me, that seems like it will be an absolute waste of your money. Yeah. Because you just don't, you just are not, I was not ready to drop that kind of money. And especially when you're starting, you usually don't have a lot of expendable income. Yeah. <laughs> because you're not booking a lot yet. So I think waiting until you're ready to make an expensive demo and finding stop gaps until you get to that point is a good strategy. This this is something that I always say, but you do what you can with what you can afford and then you grow as you go. You grow into the business as you need to get more professional equipment because your clients are better, because you need to get a booth, because you know your your the work that you're doing requires consistent silence. Um and a better quality sound. Uh, as you start booking more work, that's when you can get your professional demos produced, yeah. which is a little bit cart before the horse, but not really because the industry has changed so much mm. and it is so possible to make a career with not necessarily fully produced, incredibly sparkly, perfectly polished demos, but with samples of your work. Yeah. Instead. Absolutely. The way I describe it is that when you're starting out, if you're really invested in voiceover and you're taking classes and you're reading and you're listening to podcasts and et cetera, et cetera, your learning curve is almost a straight up line on that sort of time yeah, versus sure. skill axis thing. Really, you're, the time to invest in a demo is when that curve starts flattening off. Because if it's a straight up line or like a 45 degree angle, you get a demo in January and by March, you're so much better, and it just doesn't represent you as a talent. And fundamentally, your demo is meant to represent you. And we will get into the nuances of, you know, what makes a great demo a little later. But purely that alone, even if you're starting at a fairly decent level, if you're going to improve quickly because of all the training that you're going through, you don't want that to be that $3,000 or however much yeah. you've spent to be wasted three months later, you know. Yeah. I would say there are probably at least 20 different genres of voiceover that I can think of that you could potentially have a demo in. Yeah. And if you spend $2,000 in each of those, on each of those genres <laughs> for a fully produced demo, that's like yeah. $40,000. Yeah. How many years is that going to take? To that's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, so, but there are certain genres that really are better done by a professional and not just any professional but a professional that works in that genre of 
voiceover a lot. Yeah. Like, for example, um, promo. Promo is a very specific sound. And also you have to have kind of a library of um, show clips. You have to know exactly what network sounds like what. And somebody who does a lot of animation demos is not necessarily going to know the nuances of the promo world to make you a promo demo that is like really incredible. Yeah. And specifically to do with the different genres, like we mentioned earlier, you can use those stopgap clips in a lot of genres. So if you're doing corporate narration and the sort of drier, less produced things, like I always say to people, oh, you want a technical uh, read demo? Go into your kitchen, get that manual for the microwave out and just start reading it into your microphone <laughs> with some level of performance and personality. There, you've got a technical demo. And of course, it's a grow-as-you-go situation. Eventually, that demo will be replaced on your website and in your social media with a better produced one or maybe a compilation of projects that you've done. But it's a starting point. And I don't believe that you can kill your career with a crappy demo. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. People scaremonger about this all the time. That, oh, don't do... You may you got one chance to make a good impression. I didn't believe that. I, we, we no, all, I, I really don't either. Yeah. I wouldn't have a career, certainly, if, I did, if that was the case. I think you just have to be realistic and strategic. You can't drop thousands of dollars early on in your career on demos in every category or really in any category. You just have to sort of work, like you said earlier work up to that point when it where it makes sense. Um, yeah. And there are genres, many genres of voiceover where I've certainly never had a professional demo made because I Same. don't feel it makes sense to. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jamie, I think, I think maybe it's time. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we can play mine first. Is that better for me or worse for me? <laughs> so bad i don't know how yours could be no, any worse than listen, mine listen i've heard your demo and i've heard my demo you so haven't heard bad. my demo <laughs> it's so bad all right let me tell you the story of my demo my demo was produced by the most beautiful exceptionally wonderful person in the world and that is me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it uh, that was a bit of exaggeration <laughs> Um, I made this demo, I think, in 2013, like between I, I think I'd been in voiceover for maybe like uh, four weeks, five weeks. I'd taken a few classes. I'd heard some people's demos. I looked on some people's websites who I thought like probably had a demo. And I was like, oh, I can do this. I wrote my own scripts. I took music from the Garage Band Music Library. <laughs> And and I recorded on my uh, blue yeti in in uh, probably probably in a tabletop fort that I made out of couch cushions, and um, and I really thought at the time that it was just excellent. <laughs> okay. So, well, so let's listen to it. I'm going to play it now. All it's right, it's just right. called commercial demo, right? That's what you. Yeah, it's okay. just called commercial demo. <laughs> there we go. There's rule number no one. Name. No, no name. No name on the file. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. All right, here it is. I trade sweat for strength. I trade sleep for sunrises. I trade doubt for belief. I trade my walking for nothing. It's laughing with her at the funny characters. Helping her learn to win, lose, and take turns. That's what my first games are all about. This is color that transforms you. This is Feria by L'Oreal. There's bacon and egg, sausage and egg, or egg and cheese for just 99 cents. Purina knows us puppies, and they know a happy puppy is a healthy puppy. You won't believe it. 20% off the entire store? 20%? Well, you can believe it. The Clorox Ready Mop All-in-One Mopping System. What could be simpler? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not your finest work, for sure. <laughs> 
There are some like the, the L'Oreal one didn't even sound like you. I was like, no. who is this person? This is color that transforms <laughs> you. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> but you know, like so here are the things that I can hear. First of all, it's horribly produced with can I just horrible say, music. Can I just play the very beginning real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I trade sweat. <laughs> Did you hear that? There's, there's a, a mouth. There's, <laughs> there's like a <laughs> the very first thing you hear. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. my god. Well, okay, so the the one thing I'll say about <laughs> about this girl. This twenty-something clueless girl <laughs> is that um, all of the reads are completely under-energized. Like everything is like, you won't believe it. Twenty percent off the entire store, <laughs> which is like, and I and I really thought what I was doing in that moment was I was trying to mimic what I thought a voice actor was supposed to sound like. Yeah. In all of these situations, I was watching commercials and I was going, oh, this read sounds like this. I trade sweat for sunrise. And I was not connected to any of it. No. I was just reading and it was completely under-energized and I was trying so hard to be this thing that I thought it was instead of like connecting to it and being myself and just like, you know. Did it book you work? Uh, so that's a really good question. <laughs> when has a demo ever booked anyone work? <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. um, I don't think that, I don't think demos book you work. I mean, okay, so there are two ways to go about a voiceover career, right? Or there are many different ways to go about a voiceover career, but two that I'm imagining in my head that exist in real life. You do auditions or you do direct marketing or you do a combination of both. But those are really the two ways that most people find most of their jobs. When you are working with an agent and on online casting sites and getting auditions that come into your inbox, your demo matters almost not at all. Because people are not going to your website, finding you, and giving you work. That's not how that works. Mm. They are listening to your audition, deciding if they like it, and then deciding to hire you for that project. Yeah. When you are direct marketing or when you are getting a lot of uh, people coming to your website or to your Voice123 profile or to your you know, other online casting site profile, and they are specifically seeking you out – that's when the demos are important. And because people are listening to it, deciding if they like you, and then directly deciding to hire you. Mm -hmm. um, I have never run my career the second way. I have always been an audition person. And part of that is because I have kind of a generic person voice. I'm not a niche voice. I'm not, I'm not anything that's... Uh, particularly odd or interesting <laughs> or not normal. You're interesting um, to me. Thank you, Jamie. That's very kind of you. <laughs> but I'm not paying you. So. <laughs> um, so for me, the audition route has always been the best way to go. So for me, my auditions have mattered almost not at all. Or my auditions, my demos have mattered almost not at all. And they are used as a tool to match me algorithmically to jobs on online casting sites and to get me agents. Yeah. But once I had the agents, you don't really need um you don't really need to be sending out your demo all the time if you're not doing direct marketing. I mean, sometimes agents will pitch you for projects based on your demos, but it's yes. not that it's, it's not like that common. Well, Promo, and also, sometimes video game animation yeah. stuff like that. Those kind of gigs. But also, like, so there are genres that are kind of related to each other. So if you're up for a promo gig, they could potentially send, if your agent's sending you for a job, they could potentially send a commercial demo. Mm. And the producers could kind of hear what you sound like. Um, it wouldn't be as good as having a great promo demo, but it's probably possible, especially if they're looking for something kind of unique and different and you identify as that kind of thing that they're looking for. If you are doing video games and they want a demo, if you have just a character demo, 
sometimes that can work instead of having like just a specifically video game demo. But honestly, most of the time, uh, it's just auditions through your agent. I don't know how many times a year my agents send out my demos, but it's probably less than 20 Mm. times a year. Like I can't, I can't imagine it's more than twice a month. And can we dive into the, you mentioned the the algorithm side of things, the algorithmic uh, matching, because this is something that's a little misunderstood, I think, with some of the online casting sites, that your demos are not necessarily used in a way that are intended to be heard almost. It's the tags you put on the MP3 that the algorithm uses to match you to appropriate projects. And so oftentimes just putting a bunch of different clips, different styles, different genres, different, you know, characteristics is going to be more beneficial to you, even if you're just recording it on your snowball under a duvet, you know, that could well get you better matched than a glitzy demo. Yes. But if you have a snowball, I would say there are better first mics. Yeah, kick that out of the window. (laughs) They cost about the same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, That was a bad example. (laughs) No, I know, I know, I know. But a lot of people have snowballs. They start with snowballs because that's what they have seen people use. And it's the same as my amazing first demo. You don't know what you don't know. I mean, seriously, like, just go up to a Yeti. Like, seriously, please. Yeah. (laughs) It's so much better. Lord. Yeah, so that that was my first demo. And did it book me work? I definitely, I had that demo for probably the first two or three years that I was a voice actor until I started booking some uh, more national campaigns. And then I updated that demo. I kept some of the things that were on there forever. Yeah. But I updated that demo. I got rid of the Purina spot with the character voice pretty early on because <laughs> I just didn't know that you weren't supposed to do a character voice in a commercial demo, you know, which I mean, there are exceptions, I guess. But yeah, I updated it with booked work. Until eventually, I had a demo of all booked work. Um, And then just recently, I had this amazing demo producer named Jamie Muffet (laughs) redo redo my commercial demo of all booked work and put it into like a cohesive, nice demo that I really like now. So um, I've actually never worked with a professional demo producer who wrote scripts for me for my commercial demo Mm. i have in other genres um but not for my commercial demo and i've worked with a few different demo producers um who i have i've loved working with all of them but uh yeah my commercial demo was that it was that bad and then it got updated with more work and more work and more work until now it's just all booked work yeah love it (sighs) are you ready jamie nope I don't know if I can yes, look at your you face are. when I play this. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, so you did a... I'm going to try not to um, preface this too much, but this was very early. I didn't know anything, and I don't know... I don't remember where and when I did it, but it was a long time ago. It was very early in my journey, so please be kind. <laughs> okay. I've got so much I want to talk about with this, but I'm... Okay, let's just... Oh, let's bite the bullet. Let's do let's it. Let's do it. 99designs helps you host a design contest where a crowd of graphic designers compete to give you the design you love or your money back. Simply tell us what you need and how much you would like to pay. The United Nations Development Programme is working in nine eco-zones across the country, from the mountains to the sea, helping communities adapt to climate change while protecting biodiversity, promoting energy conservation and improving people's livelihoods. Treat your date to an evening with the incomparable Andrea Bocelli. Exclusively in cinemas, discover the magic of Andrea Bocelli's love in Portofino. Experience the world's most beloved tenor in pristine digital cinema quality and full 5.1 surround sound. To find a percentage of a number, divide that percentage by 100 and then multiply your answer by the number. To find 75% of 120. 75 divided by 100 is 0.75. 0.75 multiplied by 120 is 90, which is the answer. Let me introduce myself. My name is Falco Scrabble. I'm Professor for Internal Medicine and a Specialist for Endocrinology, 
nephrology, and hypertension. I'd like to show you how the human cardiovascular system is controlled. Fade out. <laughs> Fade out. <laughs> oh my God, what was I thinking? I, oh my God. But what I love about it is you, you are so like in it. Really? I think yours is way better than mine. I don't think so. Well, <laughs> for one thing, no music, no sound of nothing, just voice, which I, I remember thinking, oh, they don't need to hear all that stuff. They just want to hear my voice. Um, I mean, honestly, they probably don't need to hear all that stuff. They would just rather hear your voice. Another thing is, I, I, I remember back then, like, I, this was before I realized I was sort of lactose intolerant, and, and I can hear all the, like, the nasal stuff, you know, in my, I oh, sound like really? a different person and maybe it's just that I'm, you know, sensitive to it, but I'm like, what are you doing? And I do a character at one point. That's just not a character. I like Falco Scrabble. <laughs> like I just, it's just me, but I just decide to like, call myself a different name. <laughs> Falco Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What was I thinking? No, really? Who? <laughs> oh, I picked. I'm Why sure did you I just. Think of that name? Oh, I think I just picked up a book off the shelf and just like, or went on Google and just. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the weirdest name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Falco <Scrabble>. And then <laughs> I just like talk that. talk about maths equations for like 25 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <sighs> What was I thinking people were going to get out of that? Seriously, I'm so embarrassed. Well, now they know how to find the percentage of a, of a oh, number. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I'm hot. I'm sweaty. Wonderful. I'm so sweaty right now. <laughs> <sighs> oh, um, man. So, yeah. So, Jamie, did that demo book you work? <laughs> I mean, it definitely went on my, prof my pay-to-play profile. Yeah. Um, it definitely went on Where my website. no one ever listened to <laughs> Yeah. It. I mean, it's true. On your pay-to-play profiles, no the plays are so low. Demos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, it probably targeted for me, me for British guy jobs. And then, like you said, I would audition for the gigs. I mean, I was probably dreadful, but every now and again, I book a gig. Um, I was quite lucky in, at the start of my career that when I moved to New York, for some reason, Atlas, like, Maybe they were just desperate for Brits or something, but they were like, yeah, sure, we'll send you out on as a freelancer. And I would go to in-person castings a lot, you know, yeah. a few times a week, because it was yeah. back then there was a lot of them. And I, you know, my booking ratio was okay. So very quickly, like you, this was replaced with work that I had recorded in a professional studio, been directed into the read. You know, it was like... <laughs> Not really representative, as you can tell, of the quality of, who I, of the talent that I was. But then that this demo was very quickly replaced with, like you say, booked work. And yeah. I didn't do a pro demo until three or four years ago, actually. Like, yeah. Um, so how many years into the industry is that then? Like 10 years. Like 15, 10? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 10 years in then. And yeah. um, I was just com combining jobs that I'd done. And my theory is... Well, if they hired me for the job, clearly other people might think the same thing. So it's obviously work that I can book. So um, I actually worked with Chuck Duran on my commercial demo. I love the process. And um, the big thing for me was that we had a big, long meeting, a huge, long meeting where we talked about my life, my interests, and then we zeroed in on different products that actually meant something to me and spoke to some part of my personality, which made the reads that much more authentic and real and easy and yeah. irrespective of the sort of production whiz bottery and the you know the sound effects and the music and stuff like that really dialing in on that and having that from a, another person draw that out was a thing that i had been seriously lacking you know in yeah. my demos and and things like that well you know and that's real life too mm. when you book a spot you are you know, if you're doing a directed session, you're with a person who is directing you to do certain things. And and um, so when you make a demo with a person who is directing you to do certain things, that's more representative of the way that the voiceover industry actually works. Yeah. And I would say when you are going to choose a demo producer, you have to look at a few things. Like, I 
And by the way, this is not an endorsement of any one demo producer. I'll just talk about my experience working with different demo producers. I never made a demo until I was already a professional. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I really appreciate the demo producers who treat me like a professional and direct me like I'm a professional. And for me, uh, Tim Friedlander at West Coast Demos and uh, and JMC, they did a really good job of creating scripts for me, letting me do my thing, giving me some direction. Like when I did um, when I did uh, this promo demo with with Tim and Carson Beck, mm. I don't do a ton of promo, and Carson really knows a lot about promo, and Tim does too, and so they would give me redirection in a way that uh, that felt really. I don't know. It just it made me feel like I was capable and I knew exactly what they were saying and we could dial into it and we could do it quickly. And I felt like they were knowledgeable in that area and were giving me insight into that into that with JMC. He was really just like, you know what you're doing. Do your thing. I love that one. Let's try it again just for variety. And also the process was so fast and seamless for both Mm. it was like let's set up a time to talk about the script okay let's set up a time to record the demo and that's what i needed i did not need a ton of coaching no now um when i made a a character demo with anna gardunio for that we did more coaching because i don't do it was a character demo and and i don't do a lot of character voices so that was nice for that for that situation um as well but yeah, there's just there's just different things that people do and and you'll know when you jive well with a person. Yeah. I'm not a person that really likes coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this before, but it has nothing to do with the value of coaching. Coaching is absolutely fantastic and everyone should do it if you want to, but for me, I have like some post-traumatic stress from being at Juilliard and having people coach me and then getting totally in my head. So for and and voiceover is the opposite of that for me. I trust myself and I do it and I go and having a coach give me a lot of feedback about the way that's right and the way that's wrong gets me in my head and then I can't do I don't trust myself anymore. So I know what works well for me. Um, but that might not work well for other people. And when you're choosing a demo producer, you have to find that relationship um, so you're not just spending a couple thousand dollars on a relationship that's bad. <laughs> Absolutely. And it is a collaboration. It's a collaborative process. And you, as the talent, are the expert on you. <laughs> not only what you want to do, but you know the feedback that you get from auditions and the book, the jobs that you book. So you really want to take all the positives from your career and turbocharge that on your demo. So every every positive bit of feedback that you get that people like about you and your personality, you want to turn that up to the max on your demo. And that's yeah. where your experience and the analytics that you have inside your head really come to play. And you can educate your demo producer on, this is what I really excel at. This is what I really want to push in my demo. This is the market that I want to um, explore more deeply or whatever it is. You know, it's important to have a goal. Um, okay, time is getting ahead of us here. So shall we go, we go to some questions? Yeah, let's go to the Facebook group. You- oh, first of all, can we talk about just before we move on to the questions, mm. the price of a demo? Because I took a poll um, in our group of, and I said, what is a good price for a great demo? What is the sweet spot? And it seems that most of the answers were between fifteen hundred and twenty five hundred. Yeah, that seems to be the sweet spot for a demo that you that you know is going to be professional. Yeah, and I think you know, in some ways, I did a whole. I was on a panel at View Atlanta about award shows. <laughs> In some ways, I kind of like the demo categories in award shows because it lets all of us know what people are doing good work. And I know that there's like a bunch of bias because if you have a lot of money, then you can submit yourself a bunch of times for the demo category, et cetera, et cetera. But but it's kind of nice to know like, oh, these people are nominated for awards for demos. So maybe these are 
these are demo producers that I should in, that I should look into, that I should investigate further and see if I jive with them. Mm. Um, and then you also know, like, oh, these are the demo producers in the different genres that I want to work with, work in. I meant to say these are the demo producers that work in the genres that I want to work in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think in terms of cost, obviously you've got to work within your budget. That's a given. But I think more than anything, you've got to, like we said before, feel comfortable with the person that you're working with and feel like mm-hmm. you can be the most creative, the most open-hearted in the session. Go to those places that you really like. push yourself. Like I did one of my demo that was like a luxury read for like a perfume, like... um you know, Mark Jacobs. And it was out of my wheelhouse, but it's something that I felt I could do, but I've never really explored. And I think having finding a relationship with someone who you can go to that place with and feel comfortable doing that is important. And maybe they're towards the 1500, maybe they're towards the 2500. But the difference of 500 to 1000 bucks in the long run for a demo that is going to be out there booking you work or at least representing you on all your agents websites on your website on your pay-to-play site on your social media is that a false saving in the long run how many jobs yeah. do you have to book to justify <laughs> that extra 500 bucks right? right well and also if you don't have an agent yet and you're using your demo to get an agent that is when the demo is exceptionally important yeah because you are using your demo and that that's that's also a time when like if i wanted to um be represented by atlas for example right i would submit a commercial demo and i would probably submit some character demos and a video game demo mm. because they do a lot more of that work than some other agencies and i would want them to see that i can do all the genres that they send auditions for a lot yeah um and that's when those demos are really really important if i send uh you know like a pretty mediocre commercial demo and no other demos they'll probably be like eh. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's something if it's something that sounds like wow this came out of it came right off the tv it came right out of a game you know then the agent knows i can book with this person yeah and and above all your demo really should represent you everything that is unique and interesting about you the bells and whistles don't really matter it is no how does it represent you can i just say sorry well the bells and whistles don't matter until they're terrible well okay if they're, if they're overtly bad they do matter. <laughs> that's true um can i just say one more thing before we go on to the questions yeah i've heard this a bunch of times and i know that this is common wisdom but i think it's it's a little damaging for some people i've heard over and over and over again that people just get their commercial demo as their first demo, even if that isn't a genre that they're interested in pursuing. If you don't really want to work in commercials and you're passionate about commercials and your primary focus is, for example, uh, character genres, audiobooks, animations, video games, you don't have to go for your commercial demo first. If you're targeting those genres, target the genre that you're really going for. But there is this pervasive all-encompassing wisdom that you have to get your commercial demo done first. That's not the case. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just wanted to throw that Completely out there. agree. Okay. Okay, I have some anonymous questions Ooh. that people sent me. Oh, they sent you? A message okay. that they did not want to be identified. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not really that controversial. Um, is there a difference between uh, an L.A. sound versus a New York sound? Oh, there are people that say like, oh, well, you know, if you want to do an animation demo, be sure you know the difference between the L.A. market and the New York market. But now post-COVID, I mean, first of all, is there a difference? Mm. And and is there a difference in certain genres? And does it really matter? I mean, there's a difference between casting directors, what they want, between client, like they're you can't please everyone. You you can't please more than two people at the same time. Don't think so much about the audience. <laughs> think more about you. Um, yeah, I love that. I think. Okay, let me find my other anonymous question. Okay, why do voice actors need demos anymore? 
Many voice seekers prefer samples over monolithic demos. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to have a little minute to a minute and a half that you can just present to someone and have it front and center on your website to give them a good presentation of what you do. Also, as you said, it's the best way to present to an agent. Um, mm -hmm. in a, if they got two minutes in time, they're not going to go around your website and click on the various millions of little clips and go on your yeah. pay-to-play site. You know, um, what do you think? So I think that having having a few demos, I mean, if you can afford it and you can take the time to do it, it's not going to hurt you to have demos. If you can't afford it yet, it can be something that you're working towards and just have a bunch of samples. And But then also, when you are making a demo with a demo producer, ask them, if you can, to get each individual spot by itself. Yeah. So they will cut together a whole version of the script but ask them if they if you can to break it down into individual spots as well and give you the files for each of those individual spots which you can then upload to your casting profiles and your website if you want to as samples yeah um that would be my recommendation also with that yeah. slightly changing the subject a bit but if you find your demos getting a bit old, you can sometimes just pay a demo producer or the original one you worked with to just produce you a couple of different spots and then they can recut it together with a few of the previous ones, a few new ones, and it's not like you're doing a whole new demo and you have to pay all that money all over again. Um, sometimes that's a good way. Yeah, actually, that's a question on our Facebook page too, is how do you know when it's time to make a new demo? Um, when, it, when it doesn't represent you truly anymore. I think. And or when you have a blockbuster spot. <laughs> yeah. Blockbuster doesn't I think it's coming back anymore. I think Blockbuster's coming back. What? Yeah, I think yeah. I don't know how and what guys. I think it's I think it's tricky because like so like I have on my demo that we just made together, uh the the, the all new twenty twenty two Atlas. Mm. Right? So if I have that demo in twenty twenty five and it's the all-new 2022 Atlas. That's like three years old already. And I think anyone listening to that will be like, eh, this is kind of old. Yeah. They probably wouldn't even think about it that much. I mean, honestly, Jamie, how many seconds of a demo do you think people are typically <laughs> listening to? Oh, I don't know. Three? <laughs> five? Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if they like it, they'll listen. But if, if you're immediately, like, not fitting the bill, yeah, they'll move on. I, I yeah. always think this, like, you can't convince anyone of anything. If you're not right, you're not right. If you're right, they'll show an interest. They'll go to your website. They'll reach out to your agent. They'll send you an email. Like, I know I'm like a broken record, but just do you, focus on you, and when you're right for the gig, you'll book the gig. You can't convince yeah. anyone that you're this person that you're not, you know. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think that also goes into... If we're talking about how long people listen to a demo, when you're choosing the order of of the spots that go on your demo, have the thing that is most you be right up front. Yeah. That shows you the best, that shows what you can do, that shows who you are the best. Don't open up with some kind of weird character voice or some kind of thing that you don't do that's not like totally your... So I shouldn't do Falco Scrabble? <laughs> On my next demo. <laughs> Hi, I'm Falco Scrabble. <laughs> you know, I feel like maybe you are Falco Scrabble. <laughs> Scrabble. <laughs> oh my lord! All right, what else do we have? Falco here? Scrabble. Um, how do you make a demo that stands out in a sea of excellent and well-produced demos? So this goes back for me to. Um, Remember when we had that demo review session at Evocation mm. and um, Sarah Tyndall is the one who won, right? Yeah. She had a video game demo that stood out so much because she was so connected, so committed to every single thing that was on that demo that you couldn't help but listen because you just felt you felt the emotion, mm. like you felt the connection to everything. Um, 
that's honestly one of the one of the best demos I've ever heard. It was her video game demo. Yeah. And it was just great because she was connected. I think that's the only thing you can do. Like as long as the production isn't noticeably bad, there are things that your demo producer will do to really highlight you and and heighten the feeling of the demo. But if you're not connected, then you're not going to stand out at all. Yeah. And I think people focus too much on range and not on authenticity and integrity. Yes. You know, I think it's a given that we as humans, as voice actors and actors have range, right? (laughs) You do want to demonstrate range on your demo, of course, but really getting to the nub of who you are, I think is, is a better, better goal. Um, I've got a good one here. What are yeah. some best practices on marketing your pro-produced demos on social media? Full demos versus single demo spots with video or just audio with static backgrounds and maybe a slinky waveform? That was Jane Aquino. So I feel like a video demo is really cool and obviously like the the best, most awesome way that you can market your demos on social media. But you have to <clears throat> you have to also if you're marketing on social media. You have to figure out why you're doing it and who your audience is. If you're just marketing to other voice actors, if you're just showing like, look, I got a new commercial demo, this is what I can do, then it doesn't really matter that you have video attached to it, Mm. right? If it's something that's going to be on your website and you're marketing to clients, it might be really cool to have a video demo as well as a um, just the audio of it. For me, when I did my new commercial demo with you, Jamie, I just put a picture of myself that had a slow Ken Burns effect. Yeah. <laughs> zoom, zoom on it. Um, and uh, so you're looking at my face, but you're just you're listening to it, hopefully. Um, Facebook does not allow you to upload audio only. Yeah. Instagram also does not allow you to upload audio only. And, and neither does TikTok or Twitter, I don't think. No, um, Twitter might actually. I think it might have that function, or maybe they. Yeah, so you have to have some kind of video. Yeah. Um, But I think if it's a sound demo, and not a fully produced video demo, which is like it could be actual work cut together, um, having something that's not too distracting, you know, a waveform that moves or, or a picture of you that zooms or whatever. That I think that's probably fine. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. when you're just cutting together video spots from projects that you've actually recorded and are out in the world, I think that's that's a fun thing to watch and I think it's good for your website. I think maybe someone who's already interested in you, who is at the sort of second stage of looking you up, might enjoy that. That might seal the deal, maybe. But I don't think people are going to be like Googling and finding you and that video and then going, oh, Jamie's the right guy for the gig. Um I don't think that happens an awful lot, you know. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's worth actually promoting to your fellow talent, particularly if you've got something that's a little interesting and unique, because getting recommended is a way to get clients as well. We're pretty generous with who we recommend uh, to each other. Yeah. We're, we're always recommending each other. So, you know, that doesn't hurt to stay on top of people's minds. I had something the other day where a client was looking for a female British voice, and I just, they were in a rush, so I just had to email back with the top five off the top of my head. I wasn't going and Googling around. It was just the five right. ladies that I knew, and I just sent them the website straight away. It was done in five minutes, you know, so staying top of mind is worth it. Okay. Oh, I have two questions. Number one, should you be uh, taking scripts from actual commercials, or should someone write scripts specifically for you? Or maybe a combination. I, I mean, in an ideal world, the scripts are written for you by a demo producer. By someone who knows what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, by someone who knows what they're doing. Um, <laughs> they sound really contemporary. <laughs> they work in 2023 and beyond. But if you're early in your career and you're just figuring stuff out, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with taking something from iSpot and revoicing it something that means something it. to you yeah. yeah and um and doing it. it's again it's a stepping stone right and, until you can get to that point where you can um do your own ones and really dial in exactly what you need it's diminishing returns when you get further in your career as well like 
When you're starting out, having no demo and then having a demo is a big leap. Going from a blah demo to a really good demo is definitely a step up, but it's not going to be like career alteringly different, you know. So let's not overstate the importance of demos. So I think a lot of people drag their heels a little bit with getting stuck in to this industry. Mm -hmm. If you can put something out there, even if it is a dreadful demo like mine, it got me some. It got me going. You know, I yeah. I, I used that and moved forward from it somehow. Um, don't overthink it. I would say. I agree. Okay, and then my next question, which is my last question, okay, <laughs> which is, um, what do you think about including big brand names on your demo? Do you think that a demo can uh, maybe make it hard for you to get work with a competitor? Like, for example, if you have McDonald's on your demo and you audition for Burger King with your demo, mm. is that going to hurt you? Or do or is it better to have big brands because then it sounds like you are a working professional who works with big brands? If a client wants to work with you, they'll inquire about whether you have are still holding a conflict with that brand. You know, so... If you did a McDonald's regional ad in 2014, but now they want you for their current campaign, I don't think they're going to worry if you if they're Burger King and they're coming and calling. Yeah. You know, um, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I say don't don't overthink it. Yeah. If something's really good for you and it speaks to you, then you know don't change McDonald's to like Burger Hut and <laughs> <laughs> Pizza King. <laughs> um, Pizza King. Yeah. I also think, just as a takeaway from this, we think about this stuff way more than clients or agents or even casting people. They are just listening for the voice and the vibe of the voice, right? When they're casting for something, we're nitpicking every little detail. How long, how many minutes and seconds does this thing have to be? What order should it be? Like, they are professionals. They know what they're listening for. If you're right for the gig, they'll hear it immediately. <laughs> You know, um, not to say that it isn't important, but I think we can become a little obsessed with the details. And I said this recently as well, like demos and microphones, we we are obsessed with as voice talent yeah. because it's the thing we can obsess over. Yes. But the difference it makes to anyone outside of our little bubble is almost negligible, I think. Yes. All right. So, so just to wrap up, don't overthink it. Grow as you go. And be yourself. And with that in mind, I'm Karin Gilfrey. And I'm Falco Scrabble. 